0: Hi. Hi. I'm Alexis Hyde. I'm Erica Wong, and this is Hyde or Practice. This week, guys, strap in, sit down, stand up do whatever you need to do. Uh, We have Dana Coppell, writer, editor, and labor organizer from who coming to us live from New York, New York. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I am stupidly thrilled to have you on here. Uh, I would, would you mind giving our listeners just a little spiel about who you are so they know why they are so lucky to have you in their earbuds today?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. Um, Yeah, my name is Dana Coppell. I am a writer and editor. I've been doing both of those things for a long time, and I used to work as an editor um, at the New Museum in New York for several years, um, where I was very involved in the unionization process there. Um, So I was on the organizing committee to form the New Museum Union, um, which is one of, if not the first major museum to unionize in the U.S. in many decades. Um, and then I was on the bargaining committee negotiating for our first contract. Then I was elected unit chair. And then I was um, laid off with a number of my colleagues um, during the pandemic, ostensibly just because of the pandemic and not because of our union efforts. Um, and yeah, now I work as a union organizer um, for OPEIU, it's Office and Professional Employees International Union, um, Local 153 in New York. And I work mainly with nonprofit workers help them, helping them form unions.
0: That's incredible. I love that. Um, You never really know
1: why we're laid off for the real
0: reasons, but the timing seems shady. I'm just saying, I'll go on the
1: record and say that. Yeah, I will say like, they won't admit it, but I know all of us who were laid off know.
2: (laughs) And maybe then that's a really good place to ask, what are your learnings from COVID?
1: Yeah, um, I think maybe it's like I think a lot of what I learned from COVID was maybe not something necessarily new to me, but just I think COVID for me and maybe for a lot of other people um, just sort of like made more visible or more explicit or like exacerbated um, many of the existing problems that we already have i mean like especially if you're thinking about labor um like labor exploitation like that that became super clear like from the early days of the pandemic when um you know people weren't going to the grocery store because wasn't it isn't safe to be inside in groups of people and so instacart workers were being forced to do that with no health care, no protections we're going on strike. um I think from the very beginning of the pandemic there were like a wave of strikes and walkouts and work stoppages um that was really exciting to see because people people were already working in bad conditions and now then like immediately there was also like the threat of death um or of like real sickness um and I think that, yeah, I think in a lot of ways it exposed some of the sort of like contradictions and abuses of capitalism. Um, I mean, for me, I think it one of the things I came away with is just like how nice it is not to have to work to survive. Um, <laughs> I was furloughed in at the beginning of April, twenty twenty, from the New Museum, um, and was laid off at the end of June of that year and then started my new job maybe a month or so after that um so I had a few months of just like living off of unemployment which at that point you could do fairly comfortably um and just you know like doing mutual aid and going to actions going to protests like sitting outside in the park with my friends and I was like this is this is so beautiful. I mean, obviously there's the pandemic and that's scary, but I think it was like, I came away from that spring and summer with like a real sense of political possibility and of like how much better our lives could be if we weren't forced to work in order to sustain them. Right. Like if the social safety net was like, really like that secure for everyone
0: all the time. Um, I think it's interesting about like how, you mentioned where like things became like much more clear where it's like, it's always been bad for like Instacart workers, you know, like the pressures and like the shitty tips and the, you know, you're like getting hassled and trying to figure stuff out and people are getting mad because you got the wrong substitution of, you know, heaven forget the wrong LaCroix flavor. Right. But the, um, so it was always bad. And then it's just like, yeah. And then there's always a threat. Like you're always in your car. You're always trying to like beat times and like, that's not great. And there is no healthcare. So there's always the threat of like losing your job because like you get a sniffle, you know, or you like hurt yourself. Um, there's like no protections, but then, yeah, then it's like, Oh no, looming actual death. Well, like too many people also think that like, that's not a thing. And then, yeah. And then like the healthcare in our, in our society is just like so abysmal. Um, even if you have health insurance, it's very, right. it's very upsetting. Um, and it's interesting though, because I love the idea. And this is like maybe I'm pessimistic today. Ooh, am I in a pessimistic mood? Because I'm like, I feel like a lot of people did learn these things, like, oh, like we can we can't afford a social safety net. We can't afford to take care of people when, you know, they're making promises of no one's gonna have to pay for their COVID treatments, et cetera, et cetera. And then now it seems like those immediate lessons that we learned in the last year and a half might be going away. And more people are like, well, why aren't people working? Why aren't the bus drivers all just like just jumping back in and like putting their lives on the line of like for a bunch of snotty teenagers and who like can't get vaccinated? Um, Well, I guess, you know, under 12s. It's interesting, though, because I do. It's curious about like what we're choosing to spend our money on, who's still getting paid, who's not getting paid. And like what the excuses are, because it's like the excuses of like, oh, we can't afford it during like regular good times. It's like, okay, like, I guess I'll buy it because I have the distraction of like going and meeting my friends for drinks and like hanging out and like seeing a show and like doing all of these things. But now it's like when I go home and I'm sitting and thinking about it, I'm like, can't you afford? I mean, if you're affording all of the top people, can't you afford some of the bottom people? Like where, what about that nice, you know, savings that you guys have? Or like, you already, you can't say that it's not because you're selling tickets, because you made your museum free last year. So like that shouldn't be a revenue issue. Like where's that money going? Um, I don't know. I don't know about do that. There's there's there such a
2: breath of honesty I think from what you guys are both saying, um, but then that's also paralleled with contradiction with this idea of idealism. So I'm not really sure how. But like from what I can hear, you guys are saying is that that honesty questioning and really challenging like why are things the way they are we already knew that but I think the pandemic really underpinned a lot of the societal issues and made it more impactful because people had to stay in and those who could not stay in made it really clear that they are and maybe this is my idealism but they're really giving their lives in order to go and put food on the shelves or they need to go and deliver things because we are supposed to be inside and maybe that's idealistic or maybe that's really honest but from the both of what you guys are saying i feel like that's a really big learning from covid societally
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think the pandemic has definitely like made visible and also made worse um, like class divisions because, you know, they're the people who can stay home, who can work from home. Um, and then there are people whose jobs like require them to be on the line in the world, like putting themselves in in danger in situations of increased risk, like in order to survive. Um
2: I really remember when, like, when we were first in lockdown in the UK, and a lot of people were throwing things out. I don't know if you guys had that in the states, but a lot of people were throwing things out in their homes because they spent so much time at home. And I remember waking up and thinking, "Oh my god, I really, I really hope the bin men come." Like, I, I so remember distinctly standing at the window thinking oh I really hope that you come today and when they did I was like oh my god thank you so much it's just like it's so interesting to think that all the things that we were taking for granted for so long all of a sudden like these very simple like the foundation of society and like making things actually run properly like the bin men the people who are at the grocery stores and I was just what,
0: what do you call a trash collection in the UK?
2: Bin, bin men. <laughs> that's <laughs>
0: adorable. I love it. The bin men. That's, I'm going to start calling them the bin men because that is very. Sounds very
2: oh, I, was just I just want like, to make oh, sure that we God. were talking about the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know, you take out the bin.
0: Right. right. Well, cause it's like all of this like invisible, this labor that's been designed to be invisible and yeah, exactly. is now deeply visible. Uh, because of like shortages or like, you know, new rules and bin men.
2: <laughs> Didn't you also feel that way about people who were at the grocery shops? And I was like, Oh my God, thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank, thank you. I was for so annoying to grocery friends. store people. How
0: are you? Are you okay? Thank you so much for being here. Like, what are you How many hours? Have you been working? Um, like I was, I was very, I was very concerned and like most of them were like fine uh in my local grocery store they were like yeah we're good I mean like it's been a long day we're like you yeah, I'm working I think that's the other thing is like people were just like so happy to still like have a job too like I don't think yeah. that I talked to where it was just like oh this is great because the thing is is we're not used to having a social safety net that actually can support so it's like you hear oh it's going to be extra it's going to be more but like you know so many people are so used to these infrastructures not actually working as advertised or like to get to what You know is advertised as like months and applications and calls and like this wasn't submitted correctly or this address wasn't perfect or this signature wasn't right and it gets rejected so it's like you know there's still like that kind of fear that like okay i know they say they're saying that this social you know and i heard that my neighbor got it and it sounds like fine but you know the last time i tried to you know xyz through the government it didn't go through so like i would rather have my like kind of dangerous job than you know this unemployment that may or may not come through even though everyone's saying it will, because there's not consistency in those right. kinds of bureaucratic situations and then you hear about like the overwhelming of people like trying to apply you know the systems are overwhelmed and they also know it's like it's also just like a lot of like, I just keep thinking about all the people who are like taking in those applications and like yeah. not that I in general have like a lot of empathy for the IRS in general but I do have a lot of empathy for like all of the poor IRS employees who are like opening up like eight months worth of mail of like just and getting calls at the same time about like you know why isn't my check cash or what is this and they're just like we have so many boxes <laughs> you know because <laughs> I mean it's what we talk about all the time on the pod it's just like it's just like it's all people like
2: right you know
0: even though it's like some are you know you get to that kind of higher level of upper management and they can kind of you know power corrupts completely or however we want to say it but the most of the people who are doing the actual work are just regular people who, you know, lives and are scared or bored or tired or paper cuts. that's up.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, like, yeah, I think that's one of the depressing things. It's like the bar is so low and the bar has been so low for so long that like people are grateful just to have a job. Like, you know, we're grateful just to have a job, even if the job is like putting you at risk of contracting like a deadly illness and paying minimum wage to do it. Like, because like they're like, yeah, the like alternatives have been so whittled down over the years. It's like that or what. Humanity is so fragile.
0: (laughs) It really is. It really is. It's kind of incredible.
2: And I'm going
0: eye twitch and it's really bothering you guys. So how
2: do we protect ourselves? I like, guess like this is the and I don't know if this is like because I've been reading about too much like NFT things. If you like, bring this to, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually know. It's because I was reading early and they were like who was minting their own NFT and selling off the Japanese prints? And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So how do you protect yourself? You know, I have no idea. Welcome to my brain.
0: (laughs) I love it. But it also, it's interesting because you're not wrong, right? Like there's a lot of people who are desperate for, you know, connection and wealth and like, you know, these conversations and getting into a conversation that's like so prohibitively gatekept, uh, you know, like artistically. And, you know, money and board and whatever, and like, look at me, you know, wanting to be seen. And then like NFTs are like, that is not an unnatural conclusion of like that kind of like community. Like, I don't think that NFTs would have been as, as wildly insane as they are now, if we weren't in the situation we are currently in societally. Like, I think it would, it was always inevitable, but I don't think that we would be so, you know, I don't think that like people would be like fighting about it and like, you know, the way they are about like, whether or not it's like worthy. I think just people have like so much time in their hands. There's like a whole class of like artistically inclined digital natives who are just don't feel seen by the art world, which is funny because it's like so much of the art world doesn't feel seen by the art world unless you're like literally like Princess Eugenie at like Hauser and Worth this past weekend at Basel, right? Like I, I got that news and I was like, that's horrifying um and like just of course like this is why you know nobody wants to do anything and like everybody wants to just be like peace out art world because like how are you supposed to fight with that like that kind of just insane whatever so it's like yeah let's make our entire own new world where none of these rules apply and but it's still within like the framework of like a really deep like capitalism so that's also lol to me (laughs)
1: yeah erica i want to ask you like your question was like how do we protect ourselves Mm. Uh, yeah I guess I just want like clarification on that like protect ourselves from what or how
2: I think if we look at this from a sociological sense is there are so many infrastructures and policies in place that are meant to be for like human-centered or human-focused but I think that it's often, it's specific people who are more protected, who have more access. Mm -hmm. So from the learnings of COVID, it really made us aware that that division or just that gap is so big. So how is it possible? And I don't know if this is like too big of a question, but, and we can like definitely bring it back into the arts, but how is it possible that we can level that out where more people will feel like they're seen more people feel like they're protected, their jobs are more protected that, you know, even remember when there was no PPE, like, how do we, how do we do that? You know, is it only the Met just giving out gloves because they have so many sets of gloves in the basement, you know, like how do we actually think about this in a more, human focused way to go and protect ourselves whether it's monetarily whether it's just like our health our mental health like how do we do that
1: yeah I mean it's it's such a good question and something I think about a lot I mean like I think for me as I see it like the very general answer is to organize like that's that's how people have gotten through this and that's how we will get through this and that's yeah that's how we like make a world that's not that's not structured by profit and by like extraction of value from workers um and i yeah thinking about like the ppe i mean so much of that early on was was people organizing people who like like i know people who like had connections or lived in hong kong who like where they could access more PPE, who were like having it shipped here and distributed um, and fundraising in the US for that. Um, And then people who like were sewing masks or people who just happened to have like construction masks lying around. Um, And like, I was driving around and like many people were just driving around like doing pickups and drop-offs for like dropping things off with medical workers. It's like, I mean, it's, it's really beautiful and really sort of tragic at the same time, because it's like, I think it was really, really clear. Like we live in a failed state. Like we, there, are they're like, there is no state apparatus to like support people in this, like medical workers are dying because they don't have PPE and it's just sort of like shrug. Um, but it's really beautiful because like, you know, we do take care of each other. Like that's, people organized to make sure that like medical workers had PPE and like to make sure that people who lost their jobs had food for their families and things like that.
2: The cooking was really nice. I remember seeing that. And I think another thing that it really reminded me of, I think we asked him this the very beginning when we started um, the podcast and his response and we we were asking like, oh, what do you think it's going to be like in the future? Do you think that we're just going to go back into exactly the way we were? And his response was, human beings are really easy to forget. And we really, we see that, you know, like all the things, I, I, are we being overly romantic here? But it's like, yeah, it was really nice when people were driving around and cooking for other people and having, you know, really making use of, their resources and but then also at the same time is we're also very easy to forget because we're also very eager to go and not be I guess for a lot of people feel like we're held captive in our own home and it's this very odd like it's not odd but it becomes a cycle and we don't get out of it because we want to help people but then we get tired of it and then we don't want to do it anymore and then we like want to go do something else and like go back to what we were doing before and then it's all of a sudden it's like oh my god there's a delta wave it's like what's happening now we don't know and it's just like oh my god we're so scared and it's like do we have to go it's like no we don't it's like and it's always that it's 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 an ongoing process that almost never we can never pinpoint um, unlike when it was the beginning of lockdown where everyone was just like go inside and we're like oh look these problems is now all surfacing
0: I do think that that's the thing that's the organization I think organizing can be the solution because not everyone's going to forget
2: are you saying that because you like organizations and you like spreadsheets
0: maybe but like (laughs) let's keep that kink out of it okay like that's not about this we're talking about organizing we're talking about like people organizing which can also be utilizing with like spreadsheets but I do think that like if you've got 50 people you know two of them didn't forget and they're going to remind everybody and they're going to be vocal and then everyone's gonna be like oh yep I remember so I mean that's why I feel like you when you have like organiz- organizations uh, organizing like in terms of like you know unions or you know just even with like your your community when we're talking about like mutual aid situations like some people won't forget and the more people you have involved the better chances of that happening are. And same thing with like, you know, I would also say like educating, you know, which has been nice when people have had downtime. I think a lot of people have been educating themselves on that. Again, people forget when it's like not right in front of your face, but some people won't. And if you keep that community going, um, that's how like, you know, these mistakes get made either, you know, less frequently or then hopefully, altogether are gone in the future when you know things don't slip through the cracks people don't slip through the cracks and um because you know sometimes when people are slipping through the cracks it's just you know it's not the consequences that have aren't as dire as they have been in the last year and a half um oh man i am a pessimistic but no but it's a little optimistic it's a little optimistic because i do think they see people i see people especially in la I've got quite a few people who are like really you know they've been on the ground nonstop with some mutual aid situations that have been incredibly powerful and like, just really nonstop. And then, I mean, I think about what you guys were doing at the new museum and, you know, now there's a union and some people will, you know, some new people will come in and they won't ever even know what it was like before. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's going to be a couple people who will be like, Nope, we remember we have to stay diligent because I was here before. Um, I do remember some of them know and like those are the people because some people won't remember or they never they weren't even there to remember in the first place but that's the hence the the beauty of like the organization and the community like being built that way like with the union because it's like nah dude like we give them an inch they're gonna fucking take a mile I know I was there
1: yeah exactly and that's I mean that's why all of these structures that we build together have to be sustainable and that's a really it's a tricky thing to do because people you know, lose interest or, you know, like the world opens back up again and that's exciting. Or like people have to go back to work. I think that was a really significant thing last summer is like so many people just weren't working. There was all of this time and energy. And like, I I think a lot about, like I read, read somewhere a few months ago that like in the seventies, Angela Davis was like working part-time and had like two apartments, like in two different places in California and was able to pay rent on both. And like, because that's yeah those were and it's like you know I I don't I can't help but think that like it's by design that rents now are so high that like it literally leaves people oh sorry oh your puppy yeah yeah no I like I I really can't help thinking that it is by design that rents are so unaffordable now that people only have time to work a full-time job or multiple full-time jobs or part-time jobs um and then maybe like rest a little bit decompress afterwards if you're lucky but like there's there's no time for there's no time for organizing and organizing can be exhausting like it's it's a lot of work and I think that that's part of why like people people do drop out sometimes because it's just like it takes a lot out of you like we're up against like <laughs> global capitalism and like yeah. no because all of these yeah, like I social wars and like it's huge
0: yeah these situations are literally designed to keep us from talking about our salaries how are we making money like who's making what and then you know because it's like oh it's like taboo you don't talk about it but it's like if we don't have these you know this transparency across the board then like how are we supposed to organize and the answer is you're not
1: Right. And if you don't,
0: if you are assuming that my salary is the same as everybody else's, but you don't realize that someone who's like a rung below is making, you know, twice as much. um, It's like, wait a second. That's not... You know, because people do, and it's really interesting because I see, I get into some Twitter fights about it. It's super productive and not at all bad for my health that like (laughs) people are like, we just need to let businesses like make these decisions because the manager, and I'm like, what, in like, what world do you live in that you think that these like businesses and managers are going to make decisions that are going to be like profit, like not profitable for them, but like better for their employees. And like, nobody, they're like, because they know. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, but like, literally what example, like what, what situation of like the sandwich shop or the, you know, The Starbucks, like, if they can get away with paying somebody $8 an hour or $5 an hour, they will exactly but there's literally no reason for them to not and they're like no but the free market there the people aren't going to work with them and i'm like but then the neighbors down the street are going to do the same thing like it's not yeah, it's like
1: if you immiserate people enough then they will be forced to take jobs that yeah them shitty wages which is what we're living through right now.
0: um, um and in the arts it's terrible because they're like well we're doing it for the cause we're doing it for the art and then they try to like shame you like and this is like the family and like the art is so important and you have to sacrifice for the art and it's right. like do why because like a- you don't seem like you're sacrificing anything Uh, i saw i saw the basil stories maybe it doesn't seem like you're sacrificing i mean i don't know what your credit card debt is which is another thing that nobody ever talks about but that's besides the point
1: no but it's it's true i mean and there's like in the art world there's this like intense feeling that's reinforced by management um and i was just talking about this last night and on a panel i did but like you're you're supposed to feel lucky to have the job at all because many people want it. And like the fact that you are in that position like should be enough. Never mind like your unlivable salary. Never mind like the toxic conditions. Like the fact that you have the job should be enough. And if you have complaints, you can leave. and there's a line of like twenty people out the door waiting to take your job. like, and it's, yeah, just like treating people as replaceable um, which is obviously not at all confined to the art world but I think like in contemporary art there is such a like surface level discourse of like progressive politics that like when you yeah when you get down to it it just like it doesn't line up at all with the internal dynamics of institutions yeah and and somehow they don't expect people to like (laughs) find issue with that right
0: and because if you do it's like no 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 but didn't you see that lip service last week like you can't be upset now because I we posted a black square guys so like everything else (laughs) needs to be just like you need to calm down um but it isn't it is I do think I mean I think you're right I think it is in like every single uh probably I mean I've only existed in the art world and like retail but (laughs) 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 um some could say it's the same thing guys I don't know I'm just saying, ah, but the, but I do think that there's a lot of, it's very easy to talk about sacrificing for the art. Another thing is, it's like, I gladly sacrifice for art. I could be in other fields where I could be making twice as much money as I am now. And I am absolutely choosing this because I f- insanely love it. Um, but it's, but still like within a reasonable, like I don't want to be bankrupt because like, I like break my leg, you know, <laughs> I don't think that's like a crazy thing. I'd like to be able to take a sick day without like feeling guilt about it for like a week or getting fired, Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's by the way, guys, I want to make sure that's not my situation now, but it has been for quite a long time in various art jobs that I've had that like it, like you couldn't get sick. You couldn't take a holiday. You couldn't, you know, ask for Christmas off. Like it's, it's not uncommon that like people are extremely unreasonable because you need to be working 70 hour weeks with like no overtime. Um, And like I said, I've happily done that for like quite a few times, but also again, I don't want to be, and I don't think other people should be you know, the people who ask me when I've been in a managing situation, like, I have this thing coming up. Do you think I can take a day off? Or, like, calling me, like, coming in and being, like, actually sick. I had a girl come in one time and she, like, fully had a concussion. Um, and she's, like, I don't think I could, like, and I was, like, what? No. I was, like, first of all, we have to go to the hospital. Second of all, like, you, it's a, but, like, that's the, that's the pressure of, you know, the system, right? That, like, she is, like, coming into work, like, fully not capable of doing anything but she was afraid of losing her job um and that's you know do you think that
2: much of this problem is because of very much the the board of directors and where the money comes from that trickle down is coming from very large organizations with people with a lot of money and the arts have always been seen as you can use it as a tax write-off it's it's a (laughs) loophole Put sec- I shouldn't say that but it's it almost sometimes feel like it's well arts it, you know if you donate to the arts then it can be written off as a tax write-off or <laughs> it can and I think I wonder whether going back to what Dana was saying that so many people are meant to feel like we're very fortunate to be working in the arts and it's it's true. We are really fortunate to be working in the arts. And even going back to COVID, it's like we're very lucky that we have, we, we still live, we are able to pay rent and et cetera. It, we are very lucky. Um, but I wonder whether a lot of where the contradictions or the, the holes that we keep falling into, is it because that institutions are backed by, sometimes they're backed by the state but many of the times that their board of directors are people who have a lot of access resources. And so therefore we are, we need to feel like we're working in this organization. And it's like, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me a job.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that's part of it. Like in, in some ways like the art world is just like a tax avoidance industry for (laughs) extremely rich people. Um, And I think like, you know, I think these contradictions and these issues are, are inherent to capitalism and like any art institution that's, that operates now in this world, like is going to have them to some degree. But I, I completely agree that like having like boards the way they are exacerbates it. Like it, Because, you know, these are people, these are extremely rich people, and they're also people who have, like, are, like, accustomed to, like, business models of doing things and have, like, made their money by, like, expropriating it from workers, generally, or inheriting it from people who did that. Um, And... Yeah, it, that that like inevitably trickles down to the way museums are run, um, which is to say, like, squeeze the workers as much as possible, like, pay people as little as possible, throw money into like growth, throw money into like expansions and things that are really visible and things you can put your name on, and like, yeah, yeah. right. Because
0: it's, I mean, that I mean, that's where it gets back to, like, you know, like they are just human beings with egos that they like to have. And not all of them guys, in case you're on the board of a museum somewhere, don't come at me, but you know you've got <laughs> friends like this. Like it's not glamorous to make sh- to earmark your donation for janitorial services. Right. It's not glamorous to, you know, earmark your donation to make sure that like all of the secretaries like have like paid vacation time. It's glamorous to put your name on a, on a room or on a new building or like on a new exhibition with like some donated paintings, which is also obviously important. And we, it's not that anybody doesn't think that those things are important because if we didn't have the buildings, and the art we wouldn't have our jobs i get it but like you have to have these situations run and again this goes back to this invisible labor where like you're not you're just supposed to make sure that like all of the press releases come out looking good or you know all of the copies looking good and the and everything you know everything that like they like to have to be able to show off what is mm-hmm. happening but like there is this entire administrative you know not sexy <laughs> they're not flat I mean I think it's sexy obviously like I'm not going to get back into that kink thing guys but like the it's the it's not as like you know exciting to donate that kind of thing I always joke that if I were ever to donate to my alma mater which I probably won't but if I did I would like earmark it for like new light bulbs in the library because like they just had the ugliest worst like headache inducing (laughs) library like light bulbs just because like no one's going to do that like no one wants to they want to put $20 million towards a new building. And like, it's like, God, like what that $20 million could do for the staff.
1: Right. It's also yeah, short I mean, term.
0: Like, it's very, it's very like, mm, I like this. I like this instant gratification now, as opposed to like, Hey guys, like, what about like turnover? And then you don't have to deal with it. And you need people who are like feeling compensated and they do love the work and they probably would work overtime because they're being compensated and they're feeling appreciated in the long term. And then like, everything's like moving so much smoother all the time.
2: Yeah. <sighs>
1: Yeah. I mean, that we used to joke about this at the new museum too. It's like, okay. Cause you know, like many of the like executive positions or a handful of them at least are, and some of the curatorial positions are endowed at the new museum as they are in many museums, but we used to be like, so where, you know, who's going to endow the like editor position? Like where's, right. where's the marketing associate endowment? I'm like, you know, obviously. But no I people- wonder
2: whether that's even possible, you know, like we can't save the world, but that the invisible layer labor layer sure um the invisible this, layer of labor and i think it is we are able to go and if we hold ourselves accountable from these learnings and with your expertise dana in organizing how how is that a kid can it be a reality to be able to go and make this invisible layer slightly more visible
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think unionizing is a big part of that. And like, you know, not just unionizing. I think that's the thing that you learn through the process of it is like, this is a process. It's not like you unionize and you're done. And then you have, you get your first contract and then you have better conditions you do, but you have to constantly stay organized and constantly fight to make sure that that contract is enforced and make sure that like new people who are hired, like know what's going on and feel part of it. So like the, you know you need the work to be sustainable and you need it to continue um yeah you have to be vigilant I think I mean I don't know how many people are paying
0: attention to Hollywood like I am because my Mm -hmm. brother's in um a union in the for uh set building or carpenters or I don't know. I don't keep up. Um he just threw some numbers at me I'm like, yeah, I'm supporting you. But like, you know, it's I mean, how long have these these, you know, the carpenter union for theater in New York been around and like they're talking about striking now? Like you have to be vigilant and it is ongoing because people will take advantage, guys. Yeah. And people no, get tired.
1: Yeah. And people get
0: lazy and
1: yeah. Yeah, the IATSE strike that, like, they're voting on in a couple of days, it's it's really exciting because it's an enormous number of people um, in a very significant and very visible industry that I think has had a lot of, like, changes to it in the past few years because of streaming. And I'm, like, absolutely not an expert on this at all. Um, but it's, I don't know, its it's really good to see workers going on strike and having seen just like some of the Instagram accounts of people like describing their conditions on set with like 12, 14 hour days, and then like falling asleep at the wheel on the way home. Like, you know, it's just, it's unlivable. Um, yeah. Especially for those situations.
0: Cause I know that like in my brother's work, he does, like I said, he builds sets and stuff and it's, you know, when you're dealing with like power tools and like sets, you know, like if someone's too tired, like people get hurt and not just like, oh, I like, broke a finger, like, like arms get chopped off. <laughs> it's like, it becomes like really, you know, and like everyone can be, and it's just, why? So we can like cut off a day, cut off like three days of your budget just to like not, but it's, it is interesting because people, the bottom lines, you know, capitalism is king. The bottom line's is important. Got to like squeeze out as much as we can without the fact that like people, there's just people. Yeah. Like, why is that? it's, I don't know. I don't know how we get that empathy back where people can see from like the outside where it's like, no, like people should be paid more than minimum wage. Like that's, <laughs> people shouldn't be like, people should have like humane working hours. And like, that shouldn't be like crazy. And none of this, like, well, they should, they knew what they signed up for. And it's like, no, like nobody knows what they signed up for, for like 15 hour days, like for six weeks in a row. Like nobody knows, like you can, it's psychologically you have to experience it before you're actually like, oh wait, this is, messed up or like you know it's just but I do think that the or I do like the organized maybe this is why no one's like hiring me to be their their museum director again. So I'm like, yeah, let's like unionize. I like really love the idea of like just like starting a union, just being like, this is great i'm gonna like make sure am i coming into the museum and like do we have a union no like you guys do that and then it's great and then we can all everyone can be and then i don't have to deal with anybody on like an individual basis
2: you have a residency you
0: can do that technically you can
2: you can plant the seeds
0: i can i'm gonna start having people coming in and be like how's your union you don't have one what if i was a director i would love a union (laughs) what if i start that propaganda guys what if I'm like, mm, all the cool museums have unions. It's kind of weird that like, oh, did you hear about the new museums union? It's sexy guys. Y'all it's the go.
2: byproduct of COVID. <laughs> we, we need to. to, we okay, need to, I,
0: to go I'm going to start like doing that just like out, out and about. Because the old union don't have one. Tell
2: you talking to Dana that. about that. You know she's an expert. I've got Dana. <laughs> we know people who do this. <laughs>
0: cool. It could be cool, guys. Any any museum directors listening to this right now, talk to us about having a sexy union and you'll have a sexy hot museum that everyone's going to want to go to because they're going to be like, ooh, look at that sexy union happening. Mm. Let's make it. Let's get everybody really attracted to organizations.
1: I feel like it's already happening.
0: I think it is. Yeah. I'm very into it. Uh, it's No, because I do. I think it's happening across because people are especially like in healthcare too. It's like happening is, you know, becoming very, very clear about how people are being taken care of advantage of and like other situations where it's like oh shoot and you know once the pressure's on but um yeah guys unions are sexy
1: yeah hot
0: hot (laughs) jake gyllenhaal would play them in a in a in a movie margot robbie would play a union in a movie i'm just saying guys it's hot stuff hot stuff (laughs)
2: and Dana please tell me what you've been reading watching or listening to this week
1: yeah um okay this well (laughs) I feel like maybe this is like the range of my interests I've been reading um so I've been reading um The Cultural Front by Michael Denning um, which is yeah it's not that new um but it's it's like a really big expansive history of like cultural organizing in the thirties, like twenties and thirties around the popular front and sort of like, yeah, the cultural sector artists unionizing and like, um, yeah, sort of like formation of the major unions at that point, uh, like, and sort of like their interaction with like communists in the U S it's like, it's pretty amazing. Um, and then I'm watching Love Island Hell yeah! I don't actually watch
0: Love Island but I have enough friends who do so I like get like I get like all of these like little snippets via like Instagram stories and being like oh my gosh <laughs> it seems like a real fun show
1: yeah I feel like I'm new to the genre like I started with F Boy Island Ooh. and that and but it's just like it's fascinating to watch like I don't know I'm learning so much about like straight culture <laughs> No,
0: it's, I it's love love like, island uh, as straight culture yeah. well you're not it's wrong well
1: so, it's yeah I don't know it's so funny and it's like yeah it's just like watching people interact but also like the structure especially of love island is like it's really sadistic like it's like people like get involved and start getting to know each other and then they like, throw another person in the mix or then they like boot somebody off the island and like People, I guess people get in the UK get to vote on like which couple they have the least faith in. And then it's yeah, it's
0: not. I feel it's, like in the UK they're very big into the voting shows like that though. Like not like the like the idol. I know that's like all, that all came up from over there, but the I feel like they're just the big brother is still huge in the UK,
2: mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I it's like a big okay. change for me from my usual like. Very like boring TV where nothing happens. Like, I usually watch a lot of HGTV. So, it's <laughs> a big switch. <laughs> it's is My reactionary side. I love
0: it. Well, you've got to, you know, sometimes you need your escape as an extra escapey, And I think that Love Island is incredibly escapy. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a huge escape. I love it. Amazing. Uh, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs if they are so inclined?
1: Yeah. Um, I am. On Twitter at uh, decafdana. Um, I'm on Instagram. What is my handle? It's like at uh, Dana AK. Um, you can also follow the New Museum Union, um, which is still very important to me, even though I'm no longer a member, sadly. Um, New Museum Union on Twitter and Instagram might be an underscore in one of those. Um, but you'll find it. Yeah, I'll put all and- of this
0: stuff in the Blurby, guys. So don't worry about spelling. I'll have it all under wherever you're listening to it.
1: Well, cool. yeah, I have some writing and stuff on my website, which is just danacopel.com.
0: Incredible. Uh, thank you so much, Dana. This was fantastic. Uh, I am, again, Alexis Hyde, Hyde or Die, everywhere. And if uh, you guys would like to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, like and review, it really helps. Um, and I'd appreciate it. I send you, uh, I send you air hugs.
1: Thank you both so much.